On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Xena, and Xena was in a toxic relationship with a projection master. It's a story of isolation, the family facade, recognizing abuse cycles, and child abandonment. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This is a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad. And thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now before we get to our episode with Xena, I first want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder, if you've not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., please leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you've not been to our website recently, please do go there if you want to be part of our show. Go to NarcissistApocalypse.com and fill out the guest form. It's a button at the top of the page, and you'll fill it out, and we'll go from there. But another way to be part of our show is to also go to NarcissistApocalypse.com and to read a letter to your narcissist and be a part of our Letters to Our Narcissist compilation episode. On our website, NarcissistApocalypse.com, side of the page, there's a floating button that says voicemail. Send voicemail. You click that button, records up to five minutes. You need more than five minutes, press it twice. It'll record 10. Press it three times, records 15. Now, we are accumulating these for letters to our... Letters to My Narcissist, Volume 6. So send in those voicemails if you do not want to read the letter yourself and want me or my old pal Melissa to read the letter for you. Please send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com and put Letters to My Narcissist in the subject line. Other things that are going on at our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. We are offering high-conflict parenting courses that can be found at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have now partnered with online parenting, and many of the courses we are offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court, and now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Now, uh, last thing, as always, you know, we have a Patreon, everyone. If you want to support the show, come to our Patreon. What do we have on our Patreon? We have episodes that never made it to air. We have follow-up episodes with former guests. We have conversations with myself and Melissa about random things sometimes and much more. What is that much more, everyone? Well, we have 
our virtual support groups. We do Zoom support groups every Wednesday and Saturday. This week's support group is an, on the Wednesday, which will be two days from now, is an art group that we're going to be doing. And we have a regular Saturday night support as well. Plus, we have our own little messaging board. And you can reach us at patreon.com slash apocalypse to become a patron. Hope to see you there. And a big shout out to everyone that was in the group on Saturday night. It was a good time. And now... Last thing before our show begins with Xena, you know, this episode we did have some sound issues, um, you know, towards the end it gets a little bit worse. There's a lot of pops that were happening uh, during our recording. It's weird sometimes things that happen with computers uh, and phones, sometimes it's hard to stop them and there's little pops, not hisses, but just little pops here and and there hopefully it is not too annoying i did my best to clean them up but there's many that are still there because they were jammed in there with dialogue and it was impossible to remove so i apologize about that and i guess you know just a big thanks to to xena for doing the show it was a really interesting episode she's very quotable and a big thanks to her for taking part and now without further ado here is my episode with Xena. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Xena. How are you? I'm good. Well, thank you for being here. Unfortunately, you're here, but we're going to hear your story today. It's an interesting story, and you're, you know you're going to help a lot of people. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And now, without further ado, and I said your name and I got to take that out. <laughs> I did it two weeks in a row now. Oh, Zena, no. the floor is now yours. All right. Well, thank you so much. Okay. So I guess I'll start with um, when I was a kid growing up with um, a dad who was definitely a narcissist and an alcoholic. He was... Um, I was always his target, which I know, you know, from therapy and everything is the stem of all of the things that have happened in my life and my issues that I've dealt with. Um, he was just always kind of, he was an alcoholic real bad and he would just pick and pick and pick and pick and he would say mean things all the time. And for some reason, I was the one who he always focused on. And I, even as just a little kid, can remember just feeling such a sense of, injustice that I was being targeted and I would get in trouble because I would react. And I just was, I didn't think it was fair that I was being treated that way, but I would get in trouble because I was the kid and he was the adult and you know, that, that whole thing, it was like, I was never listened to and I never felt like anything I, um, I had to say, or my feelings were nobody just, nobody cared. It seemed like they just weren't valid. Um, and I know my mom did the best she could with living with him too, but still it was always like, just, just don't say anything. Just don't make him mad. You know, kind of, it was on me to shut my mouth and just let it happen. Um, so eventually my parents got divorced, which was the best thing for all of us. My dad did get sober um, when my second daughter was born and he hasn't had a drink since, which changed him a lot. He's a much more pleasant person, and uh, luckily, I have uh, forgiven him for all the things that he put me through. But once in a while, that narcissist just really 
is there. He still has those tendencies. And I've, I just always feel like I have to be like, okay, dad, you know, just still agree and go with it. But anyway, so um, that's kind of where things all began. So as a teenager, I was a mess. I um, just had like no, uh, I, I was very insecure. Um, I wanted attention from men. So I was a little promiscuous and I drank a ton just to kind of like, I don't know, feel like, I don't know, some fun and not care about things, which is where I met the narcissist in my life when I was, had just turned 17. We were at a party and he was this 21 year old Marine who was so cute and he drove a big truck and we came from a small town. Um, everybody still lives there pretty much. I do not. Um, everybody knew everybody and everybody just partied and drank beer and went, you know, were buying in their big trucks every weekend. That's where I met him. And for that summer we dated, I, I really liked him, but I was really drunk most of that summer. And he ended up hooking up with one of my friends. And then eventually one of the other girls that I went to high school with, who I, I was not friends with, but he ended up marrying her. So I hadn't talked to him for many years and we both went on with our lives in separate ways. I um, was with somebody for 12 years. I had two children. We never got married, but we, um, we were just young and our relationship, we just kind of grew apart. He's a good, he's a really good guy. Um, we had our issues, but he, we get along well now. And then I ended up, leaving him after 12 years. Um, my girls and I moved and it was kind of weird being on my own because I hadn't for since I was 19, I guess. And about a year after I left him, I was on Facebook one night and I got a message from this ex from the past um, asking me how I was doing. And I was really surprised to hear from him. He just wanted to see how I was doing, told me I looked so good. You know, he was looking at my pictures on Facebook or whatever. And we actually have uh, mutual friends. My longest and closest friend was um, in a relationship with his best longest friend. And so they always still were around each other. And so she told me that he had been asking about me and encouraged me to maybe hang out with him. So that same night that he messaged me on Facebook, I was like, oh, come over. The girls are going to their dads for the weekend. Come over and hang out. Let's catch up. So he did. And we spent the whole night talking and drinking and catching up. Um, and that was the start of the next two years of the nightmare. Um, so at this point, you knew him when you were younger. So you already mm -hmm. had this version of him that you knew that wasn't a uh abusive type of person and now you are out of your relationship you most likely still have those uh esteem issues i'm just guessing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then your uh friend vouches in in a way either this guy's completely vouched for 
as yeah. far as like, you know, going forward, like as far as red flags or anything like that, those things will probably like be whizzed by because, you know, this guy's vouched for, this guy can't be like this. My, why would they like him? Absolutely. That's 100% exactly. And I guess I will throw this in now. Um, so I knew uh, his ex-wife and him had a child. And I knew several years before that there was a whole issue going on there. And he was accused of uh, basically molesting his daughter. And I remember then being surprised about it. And my friend, who I've been friends with forever and ever, and she's probably one of the most intuitive and the the most, um, I trust her feelings and her gut more than anything. And she was always close to him because she was with his best friend, um, said, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous. And we both knew his ex-wife to be truly kind of, <laughs> kind of a little nuts. So it was really, I thought it was really sad because I, did not, my first instinct was that that was not true. Um, so anyway, I knew about that. I knew about this going into this. And in fact, the night that he came up to talk, we discussed it because I asked him about it and he hadn't seen his daughter in several years at this point. And he seemed very sad about it. Um, truly sad. And I do honestly think that he is very sad about that. But, um, anyway, so I was on the side of I felt very sure that, that, that he was, he was screwed over by this ex. She just, she had moved on to this other guy and, um, I felt like he was being unfairly accused. There was nothing ever that came of anything in the court either. It was all dismissed. There was nothing. So anyway, with that, um, and with my best friend in the world telling me, you know, he's a good dude. He's, he's, you know, he's fine. Let's, you know, you guys should hang out. I felt confident in us hanging out. So we did. And immediately he started these, I mean, seriously within a, a day, just sending me text messages like, oh, I can't wait to see you again. And it, it was strange to me because our first night hanging out, I didn't feel like he wanted to you know, like have a relationship or anything. But all of a sudden it was like, he just wanted to be around me. He wanted to come up and see me again and started just reeling me in and making me think that he was just, he thought I was the greatest. So that happened real fast. And all of a sudden he's coming up every night and my girls of course meet him, which oh, I will regret forever but um he he just started coming over he started hanging out at the house he would make dinners and then I would go to work and he would come up and he took like one night he took my girls bowling and he sent me pictures he was like look we're out bowling and then he posted it all over social media like he's this great guy taking my kids out um one night I was coming home from work and we had planned that he was not going to be able to make it up because we actually lived about 45 minutes away from each other at this point. Um, and I was kind of far out where we lived at this point. So, uh, we were driving, I had to go pick my girls up from my mom's house and then drove home and I walked in the house and all of a sudden I hear music start playing and it's this song that he's like, Oh, this song reminds me of you. And all of a sudden the song is playing in my house and I'm confused. And I look up the stairs and he's standing there and he has 
flowers for me and a flower for each of my girls. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest. Uh, um, so he just really hooked me in. And even my girls were like, yeah, he's, he's cool. You know, we started doing things. We'd, we'd go for walks. It was almost summertime. And we'd go hang out and, you know, go to the lake and walk around and do things together. Um, and this was happening within, I mean, a month. So all of a sudden, we're laying in bed one night. And he asked me to marry him. Oh, well, he had, we had already said the love thing first. And then he asked me to marry him. He tells me that he's never been with anybody like me. And he was in love with his ex-wife, but he really feels differently about me. And I just ate that up. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I kept thinking, you don't even really know me. He kept, he kept saying, too. You know, we knew each other. We've known each other for so long, since you were 17, since I was 21. But really, we didn't know each other at all, even back then, because our dating consisted of going out drinking, and that was it. You know, there was no, we didn't have any connection. So I kept thinking it was weird, but I wanted so badly for this to be real. Plus, I just kept thinking of him as this cute boy that I met when I was a teenager, and he still, I was very attracted to him. So... Um, he proposed, and when I said yes, while laying in bed, which is not really romantic at all or ideal, he gets on social media right away and posts that, that we're engaged that night. So then we're getting all these messages, and everybody's like, what the hell's going on? And um, not too long after that, I, he tells me he wants to have another baby and I'm like, okay, even though I did not want to have another baby, I was done. I wanted to get back to school and, you know, work towards my career that I've been working towards for so long. So he somehow really talked me into it. I thought this will be great. This is what he wants. We'll be a happy family. And I got pregnant right away. So this is mm, three months in. So this is three months in for everyone listening who is going through it right now. You know, this is a classic uh, love bombing, like over the top <clears throat> love bombing where he's, you know, even not just reeling you in, reeling your, your kids in to, to really mm-hmm. like them and really uh, sowing the whole narrative of like family. We're a family. Like we, we kind of have this together. I even want a child with you. And, you know, we're going to be this unit. And that's something that is uh, very attractive to anyone, not just you. Yeah. And and even though I knew there were I knew in my head, I kept questioning, what is he re- like? Why me? What does he really like about me? Not that I think that I'm a terror. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm great. But I just didn't understand why anybody would just jump into something like this, why a man particularly would. Um, So I knew in the back of my head and my sister who I'm very close with uh, said to me, she's like, are you sure about this? And I was like, yeah, it's great. You know, whatever. So we're living in a place where uh, at this point he had basically moved in with me. And I found out he had been living with his mother, hmm, who is a whole nother story. Uh, she's like the world's biggest enabler and a huge part of why he is the way he is. Um, anyway, uh, so we are living 45 minutes away from where he is living and his job is down that way. 
So he starts, you know, telling me, well, I don't like, you know, this drive is really long and it takes me a long time to get home and whatever. So he talks me into moving away. So we're close to my mom at this point. My mom helped me with my kids. I, she's the best. She will do, you know, she's always there to help. I need that help when I work my shifts. And um, so going away from that was, I was worried, but I was also like, okay, well, we go get a house and it'll be great. And we moved back down towards the area where we grew up in, which I never wanted to come back here. And I am currently still here. <laughs> um, so we then quickly, my lease was up at my, the place I was living. So we had to move. And at this point I am pregnant and it is now summertime. It is the hottest week ever. And we have to move. And it was starting to get stressful. Um, right before moving day, things, the first instance that made me think, what did I just get myself into happened? Um, he was really into cooking. He liked to barbecue everything. And the weird thing would be to me, he would go cook and it would take, he would, he would stay down there forever. He would bring me my food and he would then tell me, you know, eat, I'll, I'll go get my plate. And I would be left up there forever while I don't know what he was doing. I don't know. He, he would take maybe 30 minutes to come back up with his plate. By this point, I'd be done with my dinner and kind of irritated. Um, so this particular night, my girls were at their dad's and it was just me and him. He told me, okay, here's your dinner. Pick a movie. Pick anything you want to watch. And I quote, anything you want to watch, pick it. Because I asked him, what do you feel like? Anything you want. So I pick a movie that is a classic and a good one. It's always funny to watch. Uh, he comes back up forever later. And I'm just sitting there by myself with the movie paused, waiting for him so we can watch the movie together. And as soon as I start to play the movie, he gets pissed. He's like, oh, why did you pick this? Why would and I said to him, you told me to pick anything I wanted. And I was taken, I was taken aback and just kind of just stunned that all of a sudden he's so angry. So then I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to watch? And I try to quickly scan through all the things to find something else. I don't even remember what we settled on. And at this point I had finished my dinner and he's just starting his dinner. We're sitting on my bed watching this, whatever else we chose to watch. Um, and I wanted to paint my nails because I was done eating and it was nighttime and I had waited on him for at least 30 minutes at this point. So I get out my nail polish and he loses his mind. <sighs> I just wanted us to, I just wanted us to watch a movie together. You're painting your nails and he, this is how the fights would continue on for the next two years too, over nothing. I mean, I was so confused and so stunned and then just trying to defend myself and all of a sudden apologizing for, I didn't even understand what he then starts this, like, just, I just, you're just too emotional. I just need you to go away from me. And I was so confused because all I wanted to do was figure out what just happened. So then I'm left in my bed by myself and he goes and sleeps on the couch and I'm so confused. What the hell just happened? And why did that just happen? Um, that was the first instance, and it stands out in my mind a lot because I brought it up with him many times. But um, so when when that when that happens, um, do you think something is wrong with you, or do you think something is wrong with him? 
Um, I thought it was very, I, I thought that it was very weird that he got so angry with me. And then I thought maybe he just is regretting all of this with me and is trying to push me away. That was what I was, you know, that's where I was going with it. So then I'm like panicking. I'm pregnant and I'm just, I had made all these decisions and we're going to move my kids into another school district and all of this stuff has been, ha- has happened. And now, and now maybe he's, you know, changed his mind about all the things that he's promised and that he's told me he wanted. And that I feel like, Oh no, this has been a bad, bad decision. But then the next day he's just like, nothing happened. Nothing happened. He didn't just sleep on the couch. We're fine. He texts me, you know, like, I love you all the time and, you know, checking in and wants to, you know, make dinner the next night and all that. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess maybe it was just a bad night. Then we're getting everything ready to move. I'll just kind of fast forward a little bit because things started to happen where he would, he would get a little bit moodier. And at this point, I had noticed he drinks a, a lot. And I've known that he drinks a lot because I grew up in this town where everybody drinks a lot. Everybody chews and everybody drinks. And that's just what they do. And it's kind of like his identity. So, but I'm thinking chew, maybe... Chews, that is what, tobacco? Yes, chewing okay. tobacco, okay. which is disgusting. But um, so he, I, I do notice he's always got a beer. He's always got a beer. And he still does this little habit that he did when he was young is that he drives with an open beer and it's not a big deal to him. Um, so anyway, that bothered me. Okay. Well we get, um, we get everything packed and we move and it's a very stressful situation because this is all of my things that he's moving mine and my girl's things. And he starts making me feel like I'm moving all of your stuff. He gets a trailer from work. He works at a job where he has access to big trucks and all that stuff. So he gets a big trailer so we can move our stuff and we don't have to pay for a U-Haul or whatever. Um, But then I'm left to do a lot of the work by myself. And I feel like I can't ask him for any more help because he has helped so much. And again, it's all of mine and my daughter's things. So I definitely pushed it a lot and I'm pregnant and I'm carrying heavy things and I'm putting together beds and all of this stuff. And it was hot, hot, hot that summer, but then we get adjusted in the new house and I'm kind of excited. I don't like where we moved. I don't like our new house. It was a rushed thing. I'm not very happy with it, but I'm trying to be, um, my girls are definitely not happy with it because we're having to move away from their friends, which made me feel very guilty. But we settled in and um, tried to tried to make the best of it. At this point, I was supposed to go visit my friend, who is the one who vouched for him. She lives down south uh, in another state, and I hadn't seen her in a while. And we are very close, and I had bought a plane ticket or months, months before to go down and see her. And I was very excited. I was going to go for a week. It was going to be my vacation, just me and her catching up. And... He, at the time, told me, oh, you should cancel your ticket. Um, I'll get a ticket, and we should go together because, you know, he knows her very well, too. And I was like, okay. So I cancel my ticket, which, by the way, I don't get my money back for this ticket. He convinces me to do it, and he's like, I'll buy the tickets. I'll buy the ticket. So it gets closer and closer to the time to go, and he's like, oh, well, I can't get the time off of work. 
So I call my best friend crying and I'm like, I can't my ticket. And he told me we were going to come down together. And now he's saying he's not going to go. And I can't come because I can't buy another ticket. I, at this point, I'm a single mom. Well, I've been a single mom with, you know, a job that I'm just, I can pay the bills and that's it. So I was really, really upset and sad about it. And kind of mad at him for this too, because he seemed like he had completely, um, he never planned to go on this trip with me. He wanted me to cancel my ticket. And now I really see that. My best friend ends up calling me and she says, I just bought your ticket. You're still coming down. There's no way we're not doing this. So, um, so I ended up going. And I was, I was down there for a week. The day after I got down there, he starts messaging me. Um, he, I don't even remember, honestly, what happened. I don't remember what he said to me. But it was all of a sudden, he's going to move. He's going to move. He is, he thinks we should just break up. And it turns into a spiral. Mind you, I'm pregnant, so I'm emotional. And I'm down trying to, like, I was having so much fun with my best friend. I love her so much. We've known each other since kindergarten. And I just want to spend time with her. Um, And I never, I had not had a vacation in years and years. And then he just ruined my whole trip. I was crying. She was pissed at him because of course she's seeing what he's saying to me and we're both just like what the what the hell is happening you know and at this point she tells me you just need you just need when you get back you need to end this and you need to just move on he said she's like you need to take the baby and take the girls and just be done just be done with him because this is this is ridiculous which I agreed. I was set when I was on my way home on the plane, I was sick to my stomach because I was just thinking, I can't like, I cannot believe I'm in this situation. I feel like such a fool. I'm in my thirties and this I'm pregnant and I'm <laughs> what I, what a stupid situation. It had only been a few months too at this point. So then I'm kicking myself and beating myself up for being such a fool. So I get home and he's, of course, at home in bed. It's, I get home late. My flight came in late. Um, I drove home and he's there and he's like, so he hugs me and he tells me he's so sorry and he's, he loves me and let's just move on. Let's just, everything's going to be fine. And I'm like, okay, but um, you just ruined my whole vacation. I mean, I was pissed about it. But he did the best he could to just make it seem like he made a mistake and I should just forget about it, which I never did. But anyway, that was a very upsetting situation. And I started to feel more, he was starting to do this kind of thing to me more, where it was all of a sudden he would get pissed about something that I, I didn't, Sometimes it wasn't even, there was nothing. And I was like, what are we, what are we fighting? What are you, what are you mad at me about? I don't understand what's happening. And he, anytime I'd ask, you know, I'd try to just have a conversation. It would turn into, you know, him just starting to tell me that I'm just an angry person, that I'm just always storming around, that I'm just so mad. He's never met somebody so negative. Which blew my mind because being with him, I I started to realize I had shut off all of my normal reactions to things because I didn't want to upset him. 
And it, and it really frustrated me when he would tell me that I was so angry and always yelling and just so negative because I knew I wasn't, but, and I had, you know, consciously noticed it because I didn't want to upset him for any reason. And so he just, that's when it all started. He started to really manipulate me into thinking that I was the problem. Yeah, um, I, I, then, I, Sorry, I was going to ask you earlier uh, when you were talking about your friend saying, like, did he not want you to, was he jealous of other, you hanging out with other people? And that's why he did it. But uh, then I really, you're dealing with someone who really does not want to see you happy. Yep. Like it didn't. And, and, it doesn't it, matter what it is. It just doesn't want to see you happy uh, in any instance. And is do and like it's like he's so unhappy with himself. Whatever happened to him? Yes. That you cannot be happy, or he derives some sort of sick pleasure from doing it. Yes, and 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 I was going down to visit a friend who he was also good friends with. And I thought it would have been fun for us to go. And I, I really thought, oh, this would be great for us to go on a vacation when he first, you know, suggested it. And then slowly I started to realize he was very social when we were, when I was in high school. But then I started to notice that he never hung out with anyone. He never, ever, ever, ever. He didn't want to go do anything. We stayed in the house for like two years. We just did not do anything. He had taken my girls bowling. And then he took us all bowling once. We literally never did anything. It was this where I, I was so confused because he would just sit. And it was like he was in his own little world. And he was just almost paralyzed to go do anything else. So I feel like maybe he wanted to go initially on this trip down to visit my friend. But it's like he couldn't do it. Because this was a pattern that he had that he just would say that we were going to go do something and then it never happened. So I don't, and, and a part of it definitely is he did not want me to go have any fun. He did not want me to do, he didn't want to see me happy. Um, it gets, uh, there's a point where he starts picking on things with my girls and I, my middle child is a tomboy. She's got short hair and she just does not care. She doesn't wear anything that's girly. She is very funny and she's very like quick witted and smart and I'm very close with my girls and always have been we have a really good relationship and he all of a sudden just starts he starts picking at her like he talks he he makes comments about how she dresses how she just looks like a boy and all this stuff and it initially I was like she's great you know I and I could see in her face when he would say things that it would hurt her and I hated it and I'm gonna get emotional about this but that's my biggest regret is that he started picking on my kids. And I, at this point, realized that I just have to separate the two. I have to make sure they don't, like, there's no, there's no, um, we're not in the same room. We're not doing things together because I wanted to protect them. And I was not sure how I was going to get out of this. Because at this point, I already was like, I can't, I can't do this with my kids. I have to something has to change. And I was hoping maybe things with him would change, you know, once the baby's here and whatever. So slowly he started to pick at things that my girls did. He would tell me, Oh, the girls, they need chores. They need, they need a chore list. They don't do anything. 
my kids are very respectful. They are, they do their homework. They, you know, they listen to me. They don't get an attitude with me. I mean, you know, once in a while, but nothing. They're very nice kids. They're very good kids. And yes, I didn't have them doing as many chores because I always felt like I needed to compensate for, you know, having them in a little bit of a broken home. And I felt guilty about leaving their dad. And so I just kind of did a lot for them. So I started having them do chores. And they were good about it. You know, they did what they needed to do, but it didn't matter. He would get pissed. If they left a dish on the sink, it was, you know, oh, you know, she did this and they never clean up. And it was just this picking and picking. Yet this man would cook dinner and leave my kitchen in such a mess. I would wake up the next day to this huge mess. And I'm somebody who likes to go to bed with um, the sink cleaned out. But he wouldn't let me go do that, clean it up before I went to bed because he wanted everything to go his way at night. And so it was just this, I just had to deal with it. And I, I started to hate when he would cook, even though I hate cooking. So it was nice that somebody else did it. But I was left with, I have to deal with this huge mess. And mind you, he drank a lot. So at this point, he would just make such a big mess. I don't think he, he was even aware of the the disaster that he was leaving behind him and that frustrated me because he would just pick at what slobs my kids were yet he was the biggest slob in the house and then he would say things our bedroom was downstairs and the girls would have to walk in front of our bedroom to go into the kitchen and at night they would walk down the stairs and they would walk in front of our bedroom door to go you know get water or whatever and he started thinking they're sneaking into they're sneaking stuff into the kitchen. I was like, no, you're not. Do you see how they walk past our bedroom? They look in here and then they walk really fast. Yeah, because we're sitting down here and you're, we're watching them. They don't want to bother us. So they're just walking past. But if I said anything, it was, he, his response was, I can't say anything. I can't ever say anything. You just, it's you and the girls against me, which was crazy because all I wanted was a cohesive family. I wanted us, I tried to involve him in everything, but he just, he would tell me that I was separating them and that anything he said about my girls, I was, you know, yelling at him, which wasn't the fact, it was, was not the case at all, but he was just always trying to find something, you know, that he was, that he just couldn't stand them. It was like he hated them Um, and he did not like my relationship with them. So like I said, I started making it, uh, we would have dinner and they would just go up into their rooms and eat dinner. And then we would sit down here and eat dinner. And I hated it. And I would start to lay in bed at night thinking, what the hell am I doing? Like, I hardly talk to my girls because I just want them to stay away from him because I don't want him to pick at them. I don't want them to be down here so that he has something to complain about. Because if I defend them, I, you know, it's like damned if I do, damned if I don't. I'm just in this situation where I'm trying to be in between this disaster and trying to think of how the hell we're going to continue on like this. Yeah, like here you're, you're playing the role of equally trying to not have him have blow-ups. You're trying to protect your children while they're in that environment. And in the process, you have to isolate yourself from them in a way which I'm sure is like very confusing to them. And then at the same time, 
that isolation is kind of what he seems to want in a way where in reality he's just trying to stir things up. You know, it didn't matter what he was, um, you know, he would find some way to do it. This was just the way he was doing it. So when you're in this spot right here, you are, you know, you're isolated from everyone in in a sense. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as, you know, you're, you're figuring out how do I deal with this on a day-to-day basis? You're just surviving, you know, the day-to-day here. And are, are you, are you thinking at this time, like I have to get out or are you just thinking like, how do I make this work better because we're a family? Yeah. At this point I hadn't had the baby yet. So I was like, how I just need to make this work. And I, he, this is the thing he, he would, when he would do these things to just make, everything feels so um, just un, unsecure, unsafe. Like I was always just waiting for him to just be like, to just leave. But then it would just flip and he would be so nice. And he would come home and he would buy me something. He would always buy me something. And then he would buy the girls something. He would stop and, you know, he'd go to the gas station and get them their favorite candy bars. And he would bring me home, whatever. And he was all lovey and tell me he loved me. And, um, you know, he would reel me back in and make me feel secure again. And then it would go for maybe a few days. And then he would start to feel distant again. And then it was like, I knew at some point I, I recognized it um, after many times before of dealing with it, that I, like, I could feel it. I could just feel when it was changing and I knew what was going to happen. And I could not stand the thought of, here we go again. I can't keep doing this. circle. Like I can't keep doing this cycle because then I'm walking on eggshells and then I find myself somehow apologizing and, um, telling him, telling me what a piece of shit I am basically. Uh, and then and me being so confused as to what the truth is. Um, so it was just this cycle because he would do it. And then as soon as that would happen, he would just do this let's just forget about it. Let's just move on. Let's not talk about it. Let's just move on. And I would want to talk about it because what the hell, you know, but nope, nope. We just, let's not talk about it. Let's just stop. Let's just move on, so, which is what I Oh, Sorry. Did. Sorry. So but, at this point you're a, you're really able to see that this is like a cycle and you're able to kind of like ride the wave yeah. or anticipate it as far as like uh, him and his job or what he does for a living, you know, it's like, it, it, does he do this stuff to other people like in the workplace? Like if he gets comfortable somewhere and was he able to keep jobs or, or was this a yeah, problem? He, no, uh, he, the job that he has is a job that he's had for a long time. And uh, he works with people that he's known for a long time. In fact, his boss is somebody that's actually a really good guy. Um, but he, the one thing, the one thing that he did consistently and like, was very proud of and focused on was his job. He, he would work and he would stay extra long. He would complain about the hours that he worked because he's always the victim by the way. Um, but he put himself in that position. He like he wanted to be at work. That was, he wanted to be at work and he, he was good at his job. So he really just, I think that he liked the fact that, other people would tell him he was good at his job. You know, he would pick on, there were younger guys. He was in charge of 
the things at his job. So he was in charge of other people. And it was a lot of younger guys that worked there. So he'd come home and tell me what idiots they are, you know, and the, the things that they would do and how he would have to clean up after them and how, you know, cause somebody's always doing something wrong, but not him ever. Um, so, so, but I, at the same time, he would have like text conversations with them. Oh, and this is another weird thing that he would do. Every, they had like a group chat of their guys that they work with. And he was always texting them pictures of his dinner. And it was so strange to me. I was always like, what are you doing? It's like he wanted them to be like, oh, look at you. You, you made all this dinner and you're so, you just do all these things so well. So it was he, very strange. So, he, so he's, he's creating this persona for the outside world of being a very hard worker, good at his job, full family man. And yep. um, so his life outside of there does not look like it's life inside the home. And it gives Mm-mm. other people a very difficult time, such as your friend, who was the one that introduced you uh, or reintroduced you originally. You know, all that stuff that his ex-wife said about, you know, things with the children uh, can't be true because this guy is a good guy. And you have all these people uh-huh. vouching for him. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Which was um, really confusing because I also had this persona of him until then I'm just stuck in it. And it's, it's like nobody really, nobody would really believe me is what I thought. Nobody would really, you know, nobody would really understand what is actually going on or they'll think that I'm the crazy one because at this point I've started to think that I'm the crazy one. Um, And also at this point we have hardly had sex at all. And I brought it up and it, I would think maybe it's because of, you know, him being accused of the things that he was accused of. I mean, because at first it wasn't like this. And then all of a sudden it was, he wanted nothing to do with it. I think that a combination of alcohol, but then also I think that it ended up being in the end, a way to control me. Um, Because I started feeling like, why don't we ever have sex? Like you just are not interested in me at all. And um, it started to drive me nuts. I would lay in bed at night and be like, what the hell? And at some point I started counting. I started counting days and then months between. In one year, we had like 11 times. And I would bring it up to him and I'd say, why? And he would tell me, because you're just always so angry. And then when we have an argument, I don't just want to have sex with you, just to have sex with you. And made me feel like I had to be on my best behavior, if you will, so that maybe he would want to have sex with me. Because at this point, I mean, I didn't even care that much, but then I started obsessing over it. Like, why is this happening? What is going on? You know, and I knew he, there was no way that he could have been seeing anybody else because he was always home if he wasn't at work. Um, so it was, then I was like, it's got to be me. And then he would tell me that it's because of my attitude and what a, you know, racial, angry person I was. And then I would find myself doing everything I could to make him happy. I would, I would like buy him something or try and do something nice for him. And he still would disregard. And it started to be like, okay, well, um, at least we got to do this like once a month. I can't live like this. And he would get angry at me. And anytime I brought it up, it was a fight. So eventually it was just a fight all the time. Um, or just shut my mouth and just deal with it because, Apparently, it all had to do with me doing something wrong. So I should just, I don't know, give up at this point. 
um, which was really frustrating. And, and he would tell me all the time how he always did nice things for us. And he would, you know, he, he bought me AirPods once and he spent all this money just to be nice. And he does things for us all the time. Yet I would do things all the time and there was zero recognition of it. In fact, Christmas was interesting because I bought him gifts. He didn't buy me a single thing. He hardly even acknowledged me that day. And when I bought him gifts, I had also got him a stocking and everything. He didn't touch it. He didn't even open his gifts. All day they sat there. And I was so hurt because he just did not care. He, it was like he was not going to take these gifts and it acknowledged the fact that he didn't get me a single thing, but I did. And him opening those gifts was basically him, you know, kind of acknowledging that he kind of, he messed up because he didn't get anything for me. And so he didn't even touch him. I ended up unwrapping his stuff for him and putting it next to the bed. And I don't even think he used anything that I got for him, which was really um, one of the strangest things um, I've ever experienced because it was just so, it was just such a, it was so hard to wrap my mind around that this person was just so detached from everything. And I was so confused at this point that I, I just, I don't know. It was very frustrating. And by Christmas, I was very pregnant. My, I had to work on Christmas, um, Christmas night. And, oh, I worked night shift, which was also another issue because he was home with my girls at night and I would be at work. And then he liked to text message me and start some sort of like, tell me about something that my girls did. I'm at work and I work in healthcare and I'm taking care of people. I can't have my phone out all the time. And um, I'm just like frustrated because I just want to keep things cool. And then I'm also very worried that my girls are at home and I don't want them being, you know, I don't want him being mean to them. And I know that I know that they're not doing anything wrong. Um, and, but then I can't say, I know they're not doing anything wrong because then it's, you know, us against him. Um, also there was an instance where I was at work and my girls messaged me that, um, the police are at our house and, um, he had, uh, his, his brother had come over. His brother is kind of a scumbag and they had been drinking and they had gotten in a fight and my ex, um, had guns. Apparently his scummy little brother called the police and said that he pulled a gun on him and the police ended up at my house. So I ended up leaving work and I'm pregnant and I'm just freaking out because my daughters are home. My dad is a police officer. I don't live like this. I don't have the police coming to my house for like domestic disturbances. And I'm completely stressed out. I fly home. I get there. He is arrested in the back of the car. I'm talking to the police. They tell me that he, you know, waved a gun at his brother and that's considered assault and all of this. So he goes to jail for the night. I'm left at home trying to figure out what the hell happened. My girls are telling me, you know, I'm, I'm also worried about how traumatized my children are um, and angry. I'm so angry at him for this because I knew he was drinking and had to bail him out. Then he's got these charges against him and him and his brother have this on and off again relationship that is so toxic and so awful. 
So they hate each other. And now there's this court case that we have to deal with for the next uh, almost a year. Um, and he ends up needing a lawyer, which we don't have the money to put down for. So my parents who have money, I asked them for $10,000 for this attorney. I'll tell you right now that he has not paid them a dime. So after this, I'm worried about leaving my girls home even more with him. I work nights. I'm pregnant. I'm stressed out because we're going to have a new baby. And um, things are not good. And I'm just a mess. And at night, um, when I am home, he gets mad at me because um, I can't get comfortable. And I get restless legs really bad when I'm super pregnant. And so when I move, he gets, he gets mad at me. He's like, ugh, just keep moving. So I started sleeping on the couch at like eight, nine months pregnant um, because I didn't want to make him mad. And um, I didn't want to get yelled at for being pregnant and not being able to control how uncomfortable I was. So I was very worried at this point about what was going to happen as soon as I had the baby. Um, I ended up having her. He was surprisingly supportive when I, the night I had her. Uh, I didn't have her in a hospital. So we had her with a midwife, so we got to come home several hours later with our brand-new baby. And um, that first night we slept and everything was good. The next night, um, things, I, it was rough because usually the first few nights home with baby is, are not easy. And uh, she wanted to nurse all night. She stayed up all night. I stayed on the couch because I did not want to wake um, his majesty. And he storms out at like 3 in the morning because he hears the baby crying. And I'm crying at this point because everything hurts and I haven't slept. And he yells at me, what the hell is going on? And I started crying. I was like, I'm just, she doesn't want to sleep. And she just keeps eating and everything hurts. And he goes, what the hell do you want me to do? It's not my fault. Like everything is about him. And I'm just had just had a baby. I'm emotional and I'm, you know, it's just everything. And he yells at me instead of being like, let me take her for a few minutes. Why don't you go, you know, like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Just take a deep breath, whatever. Nothing, nothing. It was just yelling at me. So I was left to sit up with her on the couch for the rest of the night. Um, I fell asleep sitting up with her and while I was crying myself to sleep and she finally fell asleep. And then the next day, you know, nothing, like nothing happened. Like nothing happened. Everything's just fine. So we have to just go back to his, you know, he wants everything to be fine, so we'll just pretend like nothing happened. Because if I don't, it's going to be an argument. And I could not emotionally handle it at this point. Um, I, this, things just started to get worse at this point. He loved her very much, and he was very... The only time I ever saw him sincerely smile was when he would have her. And, I mean, truly, like, it was, a, it was weird because... He very he seemed very detached all the time. Like there was hardly any emotional anything going on with him. With her, he seemed to genuinely love her, and I still believe that he actually, you know, definitely does have a little bit of feelings in there. Um, but he would drink so much that I was very nervous leaving my new baby because um, he guilted me about not working for weeks after I had her, maybe eight weeks after I had her. And then I had to go back to work because, um, well, I needed to be making money too. So, cause he was like, well, I'm paying for everything. So then I'm feeling like, Oh, I better 
pull my weight or <laughs> I'm going to piss them off again. So I go back to work and, um, again, going back into the situation where my baby and my older girls are at home with him and I'm at night and I'm working at nights and I'm tired. And, um, once in a while we would have a good night and there was an instance where, um, things really started to get <laughs> awful. Um, I had, I'm not a drinker. I don't like to drink very much, but after I had baby, I, he bought me some wine and I was kind of excited. I had a few glasses of wine, which made me a little tipsy, but I wasn't like drunk. And I was nurse. So I had been nursing this baby. I'd been breastfeeding and I had plenty of milk saved up in the freezer, which is why he brought me the wine. Cause I was like, Oh, well I can have, you know, I can have some wine cause I have milk in the freezer and I can feed her and it'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be fun. We'll have a nice night. So we, you know, we, hang out, whatever, and everybody goes to bed. Um, at some point, the next in the next few days, I don't even remember what the fight was about, but he tells me that I am just a bad mom because I was drunk the other night, and then I went and nursed the baby. And I looked at him, and I was like, what the hell are you talking about? He said, yeah, you went and you were, you know, you were drunk, and then you fed the baby. And I said, no, I wasn't. Because I remember going to bed. I would never do that. I wasn't drunk. Um, I th- That would never happen. And then he just, he went hard on that. He just kept telling me. And then I'm starting to think, did I? Did that happen? And then I'm panicking because at this point, she was maybe like three months old. So I'm worried. I'm like, oh my God, did I, did I just like damage my baby's liver? I'm scared. I dwelled on this for months and months and months. I was very stressed out about it. And I knew, I knew I would, that did not happen because I could remember the whole night, but he had me convinced. And I said to him at one point, if you watched me do it and you knew I was drunk, why the hell would you let me nurse the baby? You know, but, oh no, it didn't have anything to do with him. It was all on me. It did. It was my, I was a shitty mom. And, um, and that was, he, he, I, he'd probably tell you to this day that that is what happened. Um, I do believe that the, the argument um, started over me talking about his drinking too much. So I think that that's what, why it turned around on me. I can't honestly remember. There were so many arguments about so many ridiculous things, but this is the point where I started, I'm starting to feel crazy. And I'm like, everything is about me. Every time we get in an argument, everything that he's doing to me is what he tells me I'm doing to him. I'm the angry one. I'm always angry. And he just keeps his feelings to himself and he just deals with it. And which made me like almost my head explode because that was the opposite. You could, the whole, everything in the room, you could just feel it change. My girls would scatter. It was like, everybody was like, oh no, because you could just feel it. You could see it in him. And then he would get mad and he would storm around. But then he's telling me that I'm the one doing it. And so then I'm like, am I crazy? Because I know my, everything that I'm seeing, everything that I'm experiencing is the opposite. It's him doing this to me, but he's got me convinced that it's me, you know? And so he's doing this so often that I'm getting so depressed because I'm convinced at this point. And plus I'm also had just had a baby and I'm so emotional. I'm, you know, just trying to cope with this whole situation and adjust and think how the hell we're going to continue on like this. Um, and one night I start crying and I say to him, I'm just like, we, I can't like, 
I feel so depressed. And I said to him, I was like, I lay in bed at night and I think maybe there's just no point in me being around because I'm just bad for everybody. And I remember saying this to him that I feel like sometimes it would be better if I wasn't around. And he was standing on the other side of the bed and he got this little smirk on his face. Like now I interpret it as him being like, Oh yeah, I got her. Like I made her really think that, you know, I made her almost suicidal and he walked around the bed and he let his whole, like everything kind of loosened up. He wasn't just this like cold, um, like he usually was when I would try to talk to him. He did that smirk and he walked around to me and he kind of gave me this hug and he's like, it's all right. Everything's going to be fine. Let's just forget about it. Cause we had been fighting about something else. And I was just like, okay, you know, I guess here we go again. I will just forget about it. But I just told you that I'm so depressed that I, I feel like my being around is worse for everybody, which I wasn't, I was never going to kill myself, but I was just very in a place where it, I just felt like I was the cause of all of the problems because he had convinced me. So, um, and his smirk was I, him just saying to himself, who knows if he knew he smirked, but yeah, you know, it's him saying to himself, you know, I have, complete control here uh-huh yep. and yeah. you know job it's for him it's like uh you know a job well done it probably in his mind like oh you know this worked absolutely i think i think about that i, I can still picture like i can still picture everything he was wearing in his face when i said this um because it was a weird moment like that i had admitted this and i was just and he was actually listening for once he never, ever, ever let me talk. If we talked about my emotions, nope, didn't want to hear it. I couldn't talk about anything. I work in um, healthcare, and when, you know, we would have situations at work, if it was anything, he didn't want to hear about it. He didn't care. But he would talk for hours and days and whatever about stories. Plus, he repeated himself all the time because he was always drunk, so I feel like he didn't ever remember that he told me a story 20 other times. Um, but if I said anything and it was emotional or anything, he did not want to hear it. He did not care what I had to say. So I started to get to a point where I just didn't talk. And I am a talker. I talk a lot. I like to talk to people. I like to talk about things. But I just found myself just not saying, just not saying anything. I wouldn't talk to him. I wouldn't. I would ask him how his day was and he would tell me. And then that was it. I would not tell him. I would not offer any information about anything um, in my life. And he was not interested um, there was just a lot of instances where he started call, name calling all the time. It was always, if I would say anything, he would always tell me to shut the fuck up. Um, and I didn't like that. I was like, I'm always respectful of you, but you can't ever be respectful of me. You name call you. You're just, you're just mean. And I tried to ask him at one point, if we're in an argument, can you not call names? Can you not say mean things? So at this point, he would start telling me how when we would argue, I just always told him what a piece of crap he was. And I was like, I never said that. I never said that. But if I would, you know, um, pick it, anything that he had done, it was, oh, me just telling him he's a piece of crap. Um, but he could call me all the names in the world, which was very frustrating. So um, at this point, I'm extremely guilty about leaving my girls um you know like this whole situation has gotten to a point where it's not good um uh, and then um we 
hit another point where things just escalated. Uh, my my family came over, which I had at this point not. I had very much isolated from them. I didn't talk to. I used to talk to my mom and my sister every day, and I knew if I talked to them, they would know something was wrong. So I just didn't, and we didn't go see my mom because he never wanted to go. You know, that forty five minute drive, and my kids love my mom, and so it was very, <laughs> it was very hard. So I said, let's have my mom over for dinner, and he liked to grill, so he was going to make ribs and he said, okay, we'll have dinner. And I think that he really did not want them to come over. Um, but so my, my mom and my stepdad and my, um, brother came over, um, and he would get into this zone where if he was cooking, it was like, he was not on the same planet as you. He didn't want to talk to you. He would usually put like headphones in. And of course he had been drinking all day because he's outside barbecuing and he didn't talk. He didn't, he did not communicate. He was like not even in the same universe as us. So I have my family over and we're talking and the girls are playing and it's outside. And at this point, the weather's getting a little nicer and um, he makes this dinner and he, we, the dinner's ready. So we all sit down to eat, but he does not, he does not sit down to eat, which this was a common thing, even without people over. It was always him eating separately from the rest of us, which I still don't. I don't get it. Um, but so I finally was like, are you to come eat with us? You know, my family came over for this, you know, whatever he was, it was like, he was so uncomfortable being at that table. And my stepdad, by the way, has a real, like, he is a tough guy. He is somebody I would never mess with. He is a very nice man. He can do anything. He could build you anything, but he, he's got a, he, he's very aware of like what's going on. And I think that my ex really was aware of that. Also, my mom is like that, but my stepdad more so is the one who I don't think he could handle being with us because I feel like he was worried that everybody could kind of see through him. Anyway, so this whole dinner situation happened. Uh, he he ate. It was my mom was you know telling oh these are so these are such good ribs you know and he hardly talked to us at all. Um, and after dinner. He ended up going and sitting in our room. Uh, my family was getting ready to leave, and we were, you know, talking for a little while. And um, as they were saying goodbye, we were giving hugs and whatever. And he's still sitting. He's still sitting down in our room, and he doesn't come out and say goodbye at all. Um, and my mom was kind of like, "Where is he?" Um, and I just, I looked at her and I was like, "I have no, I have no idea. I have no idea." And I knew at this point he had been drinking all day. So it was, um, and he had, he was in this, like everything changed. His eyes looked different. I knew that it was going to be one of those nights. So they left. And I was at this point so, so fed up with this kind of thing. I have hardly seen my family and I just wanted to have a nice night with them. And we were having fun. And then he just can't even be respectful enough to come down. They've always been kind to him. They, They've always been welcoming to him and he can't even go say goodbye. He cooked this dinner. He hardly wanted to sit with us. And then he's just sitting in my room. Like he doesn't care. So I walked down there and the girls had gone up into the room and I had them take the baby. And I walked down there and I said, my, you know, why didn't you come out and say goodbye to my family? And he's like, he just got mad at me. I don't even remember what he said to me. And he stood up and he kind of like, uh, swayed a little and I knew he was drunk and he 
was angry. And I finally, he has a dad that was abusive and mean. And he always talked, talked about how much he hated him because he treated his mom so poorly and how he was always kind of the protector of his mom. Basically he was just his mom's actual like substitute husband because they still are like that, but he hates his dad. And I never met his dad, by the way. Um, and so I looked at him and I said, you know, you tell me how much you hate your dad and how terribly he treated your mom. I said, you are just the same. He, I mean, he came at me so fast and aggressively. He grabbed my arm and he twisted it behind my back and he shoved me to the ground um, where I couldn't like get my arm loose. And I started kicking him with my, like trying to get him off of me. And I started yelling and um, he finally let go. I was so pissed. I was like, I cannot believe you just put your hands on me. And I think he realized in that moment that he had just crossed such a line that it turned into, I was so angry. And I was like, get out. I want you out. Don't, I can't believe you just touched me. I, and I should have in that moment called the police, but it scared me so much that he, that I feel like I knew this was the end. Like this was, this had to be done. This just escalated and it's just going to keep escalating. Um, and I should have called the police, but I was scared to call the police because calling the police was going to be admitting that all of this had been happening. And I was not telling anybody about anything that was going on. I pretended that everything was fine. I just, I, I figured if I didn't acknowledge it, you know, <laughs> it wasn't real. It was just me. But the, him attacking me, my girls were upstairs and they could hear what was going on. So I'm crying and I'm angry. He starts crying and he just tells me, I'm, he's going to leave. He's storming around. He's putting his jeans on and he's going to leave. Well, he's just so drunk. And I said, I'm not giving you your keys. You're not going to drive. And he's like, I'm just going to go kill myself. <sighs> and he has a, he has a handgun that he has in his truck. So I was terrified that he was going to go kill himself. So I find myself sitting next to him on the bed, crying, saying, please don't go. Like, please don't leave. I'm begging him now at this point to stay. After he just attacked me, because now he is the victim in this. He is going to go kill himself. He just is not. Everything in his life has been so bad that he's just, he's just, it's just, he wants to blow his brains out every day because he doesn't get to see his, um, you know, his oldest daughter anyway. He can't handle it. And he is just going to go kill himself. So I'm begging him to just stay. Please just stay. Don't leave. Ugh. Makes me so mad just to think about now. Um, from, the, from, stays, from the perspective of, uh, or not from the perspective, that is that move right there is just in is a. I don't like to use the word brilliant, but as far as manipulation goes, he reversed that on you. You were about to call. You were in the thinking. I'm going to call the police, and his reversal mm-hmm. of taking it and putting the victimhood on him really like hit something inside you, where all of a sudden. You know, it's flipped around and it was, you mm-hmm. know, a very simple move. And, but as soon, and I'm sure this is for a lot of people, maybe they notice or maybe they're not noticing, but when they're being, uh, when things aren't going their way or things are about to fall apart for them, uh, you know, the move of flipping it to the victimhood and now the intention is on him where you're now the caretaker of the situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it, you know, when that happens, are you sitting there after saying, how did that happen? Yeah. 
because I'm still I'm still so mad that he, he that he got to the point where he just like physically assaulted me basically and here I am you know trying to get him to be okay but he doesn't give a he doesn't care at all about me being okay I have never been consoled by him except for that one night with that smirk when I told him how low I was feeling um and it's just it's just so infuriating because then again I would be laying in bed at night thinking all I do is try and like I walk on eggshells around him and then he tells me that he walks on eggshells around me which I'm so confused at this point I'm so I know that I'm not crazy, but then uh, am I like, am I just one of those people? Are you even aware of it? If you're crazy, I work with people who are crazy all the time. And, um, you wonder like, uh, am I one of these people? Am I, should I be in the back hall in my ER, you know, <laughs> because I'm so crazy. I don't even know what hell the reality is. Did, did any, point. did any part of you say to yourself, uh, like, my behavior caused him to do this and now he's suicidal all the time. Yeah. All the time. And like, not even just in this instance, just me being me, everything. It was always something that I did was the reason that he is reacting this way. And so I went back and forth a lot. And then I started to really be worried about, um, seeing this side of him, knowing what he has been accused of, I'm starting to realize that um, nothing has been real with him. It's not, this is not real. This is not okay. This is not healthy. Um, and I'm at this point starting to, starting to dread the, the cycle of abuse. Cause I could, like I said, it's just, it was so predictable with him. It was over the top. And when it was really good, it was good. And I just wanted to, like, I really, I really loved him. I really, really loved him. And I really felt bad for him. And I wondered all the time if he was this way now because of losing his daughter and what he's gone through. And it, I mean, I, I used to say he, I think he has PTSD because of the way like he would have nightmares that he would actually like jump up from bed and yell in his sleep. And um, so I wondered a lot if this, that he was like this now, or I wondered if he was always like this. And because his ex-wife and I were very much not like, we were not on good terms ever. So I couldn't ever call her and ask her. Plus I thought she was probably a little crazy. I didn't know if I'd ever get the truth, but I was very curious as to why she um, ended their relationship and and my theory started to become in my head that maybe her accusation of what happened was not real because there was never any like there was never any evidence of it. But if she used that to get him out of her life, um, and I'll tell you at this point that her family was a very like they have money and they have all the things that he wants. He wanted that he wanted the trucks and he wanted the four wheelers and that's what they did and they hunted and all this stuff. And they had houses and they had the means to buy these things. And he, I am convinced, was with her for all of that. He would tell me all the time, I have bought my own house and you've never even bought your own house. Um, I don't think he ever did. I think that her family did. Um, and so then I started thinking, I wonder if his ex 
came up with this way to get him completely out of her life because he treated her this way. And he, she did not want him around her, her children or herself. And um, then I'm starting to go back and forth with, I have a, I have a small daughter with him. So what if, what if she actually, what if he actually did all these things? And what if all of these, what if all of this is like, what if that, that's the reality? And how do I, how do I know? Because at the same time, I have a, a lot of empathy for him. And I still look at him as like a human and I don't want him to hurt and I don't want him to lose another child. And if I'm wrong, if I, if he actually never did anything and his, his first daughter was taken away from him, falsely accused of all sorts of terrible things. If I did that too, I just, it makes me sick to my stomach. So now I'm torn in my head and I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what to do and I want to get out of it, but I'm also terrified of leaving because I do love him. I know how he is and I know that I'm going to be, I'm going to be just bashed by him to everybody. Um, just like he did with his ex. And I'm also worried about what's going to happen with our daughter. And I don't want knowing how much he drinks and all the things that have happened. Like I worry about her safety with him, not because of the accusations, but just solely because of his drunk driving and his complete, um, like basically, like I said, he's like in his own little world when he's that drunk and when he's cooking and whatever. And I'm worried that my small child could end up dead because he's not paying attention or he's too drunk or something. So now I'm like, do I stay? Do I leave? I need to leave because I need to get me and my girls out of this. My girls are miserable. I know it. My, I know my oldest was so depressed. They never, ever talked back to him. They never said anything bad about him. Um, they just kept their mouths shut. And, but I knew everybody was miserable. We were all so miserable. So I had to get out. Um, then COVID happened and the first few weeks I am in healthcare. So I was of course going to be working, um, but he did not, they shut everything down. And so um, this was kind of the tipping. This is where things, this is where the end came. Um, when the first like week of our quarantine, he was off work and I thought, okay, this is nice because I work night shifts. I work, all night long, and I work 12-hour shifts, and I work three days in a row, so I go, I have the kids, and I deal with them, and then I go to work all night, and then I come home, and I get maybe four hours of sleep while he's at work, usually. Well, now he's home, and so I think, okay, maybe I can get a few more hours of sleep between. This will be good. I'll take advantage of it while, you know, while we can, um, because I'm very tired, and um so he tells me, okay, go to, you know, I'll take, I'll take care of the baby today. Um, whatever. So I, I get home one day, um, and it's 8am when I finally go to bed and then I wake up at 2pm. That is six hours. If you do the math, that's six hours of sleep. That is not eight hours. That is not a full night of sleep. Also, it is during the daytime. I can hear everybody out, you know, like doing their thing around the house, but six hours is better than four hours. Right. So I get up because still I, I feel guilty about be sleeping, even though it is my nighttime um, while everybody else is awake. So I get up and he was making dinner and he made dinner for me and I'm about to, I have to go back to work tonight, right? 
So he makes this dinner and I was like, Oh, thank you. And I, mind you had only slept for six hours. Um, I took, took the baby and I hung out with kids for a little bit. And then, um, he finishes the dinner and I go into the kitchen. I'm like, Oh, thank you. He said, here's your plate. Well, I go to wrap it up to take the dinner or to take the work because again, I work 6 PM to 6 AM. So I eat dinner usually like, uh, 10 or 11 o'clock at night while I'm at work. Um, and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to take it to work for, to eat. And he goes, what the hell did I even cook dinner for? And I looked at him and I was like, well, I usually, I mean, since I just, this was technically my nighttime. So this is going to be my daytime. So usually I eat, you know, trying to explain to him, which is ridiculous. that I even had to justify my, you know, why I wanted to take this to, to work to eat. Um, that I'd be hungry in the middle of a 12 hour shift in the middle of the night where we don't have a cafeteria open or whatever. Um, so he makes me feel so bad that I stand in the kitchen, um, and I eat this dinner and then I apologize to him and I try to thank him so much for making me dinner and for letting me sleep. And he tells me, well, all you do is sleep all day. Mind you, he told me just sleep, just before, before this whole thing happened, just sleep, just, just go ahead, just go relax and get some sleep. I got everything. And then I get yelled at for not eating dinner in the way that he wants me to. And, um, then I get yelled at for, um, sleeping all day. Then I tried to tell him, you go to work during the day and you sleep at night. My shift is completely opposite of yours. Yet you get to go to sleep and you sleep for eight, nine hours. I get maybe four hours usually. Today I slept for six. You cannot tell me I slept all day. I haven't even gotten a normal amount of sleep and I still have to go back to work and I work longer shifts than you. I was so mad and I just felt so, it was so unfair for him to just flip it on me, for him to tell me it's okay, go, you know, trying to make me feel like he's got it and he's totally supportive of just me getting some sleep. And also the fact that, why shouldn't I take advantage of it? Um, he tells me, well, if I wasn't stuck at home, you wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't have gotten this sleep anyway. So we should just continue living like that, even though you're home to help me. Like what, how does that make any sense? You would think that as partners, you would want to support each other and be like, Hey, you never get any sleep while I'm home. Take advantage, get some sleep. I'll take care of things. Right? Nope. It, there, there was no reasoning with him. So I'm just, I was so mad. I was so sick of it. And I'm just realizing that we're stuck at home. He's who knows how long he's going to be at home. And then he's got the kids and I'm just so worried and I just cannot stand it anymore. So uh, a few nights later, we're laying in bed and um, he just rolls over and goes to bed. He's like, doesn't even, we hardly talk. Um, and I start, I just be laying there thinking, I can't, we can't keep doing this. And I started crying and I, I sat up and I said, um, there's nothing between us. Is there, there's nothing left here. And I was crying. Like I was very sad because I realized like, this is, this is the end. I can't keep doing this. And I'm, there never has been anything. This has never been real. Um, I'm just very sad. And I sincerely like I was so sad and I know that you could hear it in my voice and he got so mad at me for trying to talk to him. He sat up and he started screaming at me and told me to shut up and that 
he's so sick of me and he just wants to move out. And, um, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just sobbing, like looking at him thinking, how can he look at me right now? And just completely, just with the coldest look on his face, like you have zero, you don't care about me at all. And I just wanted to talk to you. And it turns into this yelling, um, where I'm just sobbing and he storms out and he goes and lays on the couch. So at this point I'm hysterical because I've realized that I've, I have, this is the, this is the point that I have, I have to let go of this. I can't keep trying to force it. And I can't, um, I just have to, I have to do it, but it's so scary. So I call my best friend who, you know, is the one who knows him and I'm crying to her and I'm telling her what just happened. Um, and he, after I get off the phone with her, she's trying to calm me down. She's like, it's going to be okay. You know, you've got your whole family supportive of you. It's going to be okay. And at this point, my sister's like, I hate him. You need to leave him. Um, I'm, I'm here whenever you're ready to do that. So I knew I had the support of my family and my friends. And, um, even though they didn't really know what was going on. And I get off the phone with her and I'm calmed down a little bit. And I'm just, I'm just, just sad. I'm just sad comes down and he starts screaming at me. And I actually, at this point had started recording him when he would start screaming at me because he would, he would confuse me so much that I just needed to have it as, you know, proof of what was actually said. So I'm recording him and he doesn't see that I'm recording him and he's screaming at me and he tells me you're the nastiest bitch I've ever been. And he tells me then that I'm worse than his ex-wife. That he can't, which he knows is something that would upset me because I had told him I don't think she's a good person. Um, so he knew it would really, that would get me. Um, and I'm crying and I'm just saying, why, why just, why don't you care? You just don't care at all. He's telling me what a nasty piece of crap I am. He's calling me all these names and he usually sleeps with earplugs in. He sits up and he gets right in my face. And he goes, just shut the F up. And he flicks his, um, his uh, earplug right in my face. And I just sat there so stunned. Like, this man does not have any feelings. He does not care. The only feelings he has is anger and hate. And I'm sick of it. And I said, okay, get out. I said, get the hell out of my house. This is not your house. You've got to go. I'm done. You need to leave. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. This is my bed and blah, 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 blah. So I ended up getting on the phone with the police. And I said, I want him out. And as I was calling the police, I could hear him get up and he starts packing his stuff up and he leaves and he goes to his mommy's house, which is right conveniently down the street from us. Um, And that was the last day that he lived with us. Um, Things that he had to come move his stuff out. He was back and forth with telling me, you know, all these, he would tell me how much he loved me, but then also he would tell me, you know, what a horrible person I am and all this. So I knew immediately I had to get an attorney and my parents, finally, I tell everybody what's going on. And my parents who had already loaned this guy a ton of money for an attorney that he's never going to pay back. um, I asked them to help me to pay for an attorney for getting custody because I was not going to let him have her. I was, I didn't, I was too scared at this point. I was not sure who he was at all. I had no idea who this person was and I was more confused than ever. So I get an attorney right away and they were great. They were so wonderful. And this is during COVID. So there was no actual court 
Uh, we did everything like online and back and forth, and they were very quick. Uh, we got it so that we asked the judge to um, have him get a mental health and alcohol evaluation in order to have some custody of her. So filed the paperwork and everything, and I even said to him, I'm filing paperwork, and, you know, it's going to the court, so you'll, you'll have to respond to it. When it was filed, I knew he had 20 days to respond to it. And even though I was angry with him, I still, there was a little part of me that felt bad or guilty or like I maybe wasn't doing the right thing. And I beat myself up about this a lot because I didn't want to be wrong and take away his child if he really wasn't, you know, like, if he really wasn't that bad because I'm so ridiculous that I just can't wrap my head around the fact that he's just not a good guy. Um, so he didn't ever respond. And I told him, you have like, I told him when it was five days, you still haven't filed any um, papers with the court. You have five days. So he never filed anything. And he knew we had, we had talked back and forth. He knew. Um, he, his lack of response got me full custody because he now the judge ordered him to get a, a mental health and alcohol evaluation in order to, you know, start gaining custody or, and treatment, treatment as well for a year. And I had this feeling he was never going to do that. He was so angry, but he didn't, he was so angry at me when the judge ruled in favor of me, but he, he is the one who didn't do anything about it. He had all the power to do what he needed to do to maybe make it different. But of course it's my fault. So um, I said, okay, well, you got to get this, you got to get this evaluation. But the day that the court had ruled in my favor, I had to work the next night and had already planned for him to take our daughter because I had nobody else to watch her overnight. And I was desperate and I thought it's going to be okay because he's staying at his mom's house. And I said, you cannot drink. You cannot. If you're going to have her, you cannot drink. And he's like, I, I won't. It's fine. So that night I'm at work and it's like 10 p.m. And I all of a sudden get these messages, which his text messages, I could just, there was a difference in them when I knew like he was, he was drunk and he was angry versus like when he wasn't as drunk. Uh, and I knew the text messages that he sent me, I can't remember what it said, but I got this thinking feeling in my stomach and I'm at work and I can't just leave and he's got my baby and I could tell he was drunk and I said are you drinking no I'm not drinking and he just goes off in this these long text messages these text messages when he was angry were always so long it was unbelievable um so then I'm stressed out and I'm like oh my god he's got the baby and my luckily my the boss at the time knew, had an idea of what was going on. And I was, I started crying and she's like, go, you can go. I'm going to, we'll put it down as we low census you and just go. She's like, you need to go do what you need to do, which I don't know what I would have done. Uh, if I didn't have the amazing coworkers and boss that I had during this time, because this was truly the biggest struggle of my life. Yet I had, everybody was so kind and so understanding and thoughtful and just wanted everything to be okay so that I could, you know, so that I could get back to work and that my kids would be okay. So I tell him, I'm coming to get her. I will be there in, you know, 20 minutes. I flew home and 
I said, I'm coming up the road. I'm five minutes away. And all of a sudden he stops texting me. So I get there and I go and I knock on the door. All the lights are out. He doesn't, he doesn't respond. I can hear the dogs barking. Nothing. He doesn't come to the door. And then I'm panicking because he's purposefully not answering the door. I call the police. A sheriff comes out. She tells me, I can knock on the door, but we cannot do anything about um, exchange of custody in the field because it's such a it's such an issue. Even though you have court documents, she said, you're going to have to deal with this with the court. And of course, I'm kicking myself because I just the judge just ruled in my favor, and I had all the rights to keep her from him. But I I was so I was so in, stuck in such a bad situation that night that I let this happen, and I'm just kicking myself. So she knocks on the door. She says, you know, police. She pounds on the door a little bit more. I could hear his mom inside who didn't answer the door. And he doesn't respond to me via text message or anything. And she tells me, I'm really sorry. And I'm sobbing. I'm standing in his driveway. I'm yelling up at his window. I'm just, I'm like, give me my baby. And I'm panicking because now I'm thinking worst case scenario. And at some point I, I was very worried that he would either kill me or he would do something to destroy me which then I'm, you know, of course, going through all the worst things. Um, so I have to go home and wait until 6 a.m. when I was initially supposed to pick her up after my shift. And I, am, I didn't sleep all night. I was a mess. I ended up sitting in his driveway at 6 o'clock. I went knock on the door. He opens the door with her and hands her to me. And he's like, you're ridiculous. And um, I took her. And he was so mad at me, but I knew then that I couldn't keep letting him have her. Then unfortunately, a few months later, I got COVID and I was so sick. I could, I had her at home with me and I could not keep her with me because I could not take care of her. I was physically unable to take care of her. And my only option, I was, I didn't want my parents to take her because I did not want my parents to get sick and die of COVID because I worked in healthcare and I brought it home and then ended up, you know, it killing one of them. And the only person I could think of was him because he lived right down the street. And if he was with his mom, I knew that she, I knew that she would be okay because his mom was there. But I was also just fearful because, you know, all the things. So he ended up having to take her for five days while I just died in my bed. Um, I was very stressed out and I was constantly texting and making sure. And he was so nice. He was like, let me bring you some stuff. I'll bring you whatever you need. I'll take care of her. And he, of course, the whole time was sending me pictures of her and sending me, you know, like updates on how she was doing. And now I see he just wanted, he was just trying to kiss my butt so that I would allow him to continue to see her because he hadn't seen her in a while. Um, so I was okay. Like I knew that she was all right every day. He even made me dinner about it one night, even though I didn't want anything. He was just trying, he was telling me, you know, I really, I really love you and I care about you and all this stuff. He was being so nice, so nice. Uh, then I finally got, I was better and I got her back and uh, everything. He still wouldn't go get the evaluation or anything. And I would still send him pictures of her because I still felt guilty. And I was very sad and I cried a lot over separating them from each other, but I realized that I absolutely have to cut off all, all communication. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep feeling guilty. I need to shut it off because this is just, 
there's no reason he's not doing what he needs to do and it's not healthy for me. So at this point now, it's been almost a year since I kicked him out and he has not contacted me at all. He has not Christmas. He didn't care. He didn't get her anything. He, her birthday was in January. He didn't get her anything. He didn't call. He did not care. He's done. He's going to move on with his life because, you know, he doesn't care about anybody or himself. And I still am very sad about it because the thing that bothers me the most is that my two older girls go to see their dad every other weekend. And she eventually, I'm going to have to explain to her why she doesn't get to go see her dad. And that makes me the most sad. But of course, it's best for her. And especially since I have no idea who he really is or what kind of danger she would be in being with him. I know that I'm doing what's right, but it also hurts me to know that it's going to hurt her and it's going to affect her because not having a dad around who chose just not to be around because he wants to blame me for his, you know, having to get treatment and all that stuff and not facing the reality that actually it's him who's got a drinking problem and a mental problem. Um, It just sucks that this whole situation happened. But if I had not been with him and suffered through this, I wouldn't have her and we love her very much. So it just is, it's weird to be on the other end of it and looking at all the things and feeling so stupid for, ugh, just how the hell did I get reeled into it? But that's kind of my story. Well, Zena, War, you're you yeah. are a warrior princess to me, and <laughs> you know you've been through uh, quite a, uh, a what is it two th- two three years here and yeah, yeah it was two years and you know you're at this point and you've dealt with a lot and are you know three children uh, you're a nurse in the healthcare field during this time. Um, with all this other stuff going on, you, you know, nurses alone going through all of this are already having a tough time, you know, as is, and you're dealing with all of it. And, you know, you're here, you're still going, and we're happier here uh, with us and telling your story. And as far as, you know, how you're feeling, just, you know, am I the first person besides your therapist you're telling the story to? Yeah, it, it, people know bits and pieces of it, but... I there's I I hadn't had the energy or the desire really because I felt like I'd be judged by so many people. That's why it's nice to be able to get it out here because I know that the people that are listening would can relate. But yeah, I, I haven't told many people anything about it. So. so so how are you feeling after just kind of getting it all out there? And as far as you know. Uh, like things with you as far as like all the crazy making and all that kind of stuff and whatever issues came with uh, the psychological issues that were uh, used against you. What are kind of things that you've noticed about you, uh, how you've changed since like he, he has been gone, how your kids have changed and how you've been discussing it maybe with your kids about what happened? Well, I, I definitely, it took me a bit, to really uh, realize how messed up it made me and to kind of get myself back because I realized I was not at all. I had no, there was no me left in the end of that relationship. I am a pretty tough person and usually will 
you know, say if I feel, like I said, with my dad, I would always express how the injustice of things, but, um, I just, I just quit saying anything. I quit standing up for myself. I I just let it all be. And now I'm so self-aware that I allowed this to happen and I see what happened and I understand you know, the idea of how a kind of a narcissistic person works and it makes me feel justified in the fact that I know I'm not that, I'm not the crazy one. And um, also with my, my girls, they have, as soon as he moved out, the, the relief in the house, what you could feel it. It was like just the weight that was removed was amazing and my girl, I've let them tell me, I've said, you can tell me. And I apologized for allowing it to happen. They always tell me it's okay. And I said, no, it's not okay. And I said, I hope that you guys know that, you know, you guys were the ones who I wanted to protect from this. And I'm so sorry. And they, I've let them tell me all the things that they've worried about or, you know, that have made them anxious or the things about him that were awful. I said, tell me everything, get it out. You know? So we've talked about it and it's actually really good because I feel like we've gotten even closer and we have such a good relationship and them with my littlest, everybody's very good right now. Things have gotten much better. It's been a rough year, like in the world, but for us, we've been, you know, they've been home so much. So we've had a lot of time to talk and do things together and kind of make up for all the distance that was between us everybody seems okay and I feel okay I finally realized that I definitely had a part of being very codependent uh, and that's why I kind of allowed that to happen with him and just wanting to not feel like I don't know like the worry of abandonment with him is ridiculous because I should have just there was nothing good about staying in that relationship I think all the time about how I, what, what kept me there. And I will never let that happen again. I'm very fearful of dating ever again. I don't have any desire to do that in any near future, but. And as far as uh, child, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The term, I guess, um, I guess child payment, child support. Uh, is it something you're going to reach out to try and get, or do you just kind of want to leave him alone or like not oh, have no. him around? He pays child support because okay. he didn't respond to the judge. Everything was ruled in my favor. I got child support, which is automatically taken out of his check by the state. And um, that is luckily, like I told you, he has pride in his job. So he will always be working. So I will always, have child support okay. coming in and so, so that, just, that was really good. like that was like you know as easy as it is uh, most people have yes. uh issues but he uh, you know really uh, in a sense is like i don't want this in my life at all and is really just you know it just does not communicate at all just cut it yeah I, yep i think it, i think because he's been through he he stays around the same people that he's always been around and everybody knows about what happened with his ex but it's, I think he got to a point where he realized, oh, if this happens with another one, people might question my side. So he's just going to, you know, not deal with it and let it go and just pretend that, I don't know, we just don't exist. 
but still, I, that, that's, I, that's two, uh, two family, two children now and two children he does not see. Yep. So whoever is next, yep. there's a real pattern there. Oh, I guarantee you it's been about a, it's been about a year. I guarantee you that he's going to end up getting somebody else pregnant. And he, she's going to go through the same thing. So, I would put money on it. <laughs> so before we leave, what I guess is the, your biggest words of wisdom, wisdom or advice for other people that are going through or being through the same thing? Uh, when, as soon as you start realizing that something's wrong, it's okay for you to let go of it then because the longer you stay in it, the worse it gets. It escalates. And there are so many people who will support you. And it's just, just get out. It's so hard to get to that point. I know you have to get to it personally in your, you know, soul to be able to leave, but just listen to your instincts. Well, Zena, thank you for being on the show today and sharing your story. You did a great job. I know a lot of people will learn from uh, everything uh, from your story. And you had a lot of good gems in there that came out of your mouth, like really helpful quotes. So thank you for being here and uh, sharing your story. Thank you so much for having this podcast. Well, you are welcome. And for everyone else who is listening, I hope you have a good day.